The Federal Trade Commission recently proposed banning non-compete clauses in employment contracts. Today, we learn more about how that could potentially impact the healthcare industry. It's Monday, February 27th. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson, and this is Just Healthcare Daily. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Federal Trade Commission issued a proposed rule in January that would ban employers from using non-compete clauses in employment contracts. According to the agency, more than 30 million Americans, or 18 percent of the workforce, are bound by these agreements, regardless of industry or role. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson, and this is Just Healthcare Daily. The proposed ban in its current form is broad and does not target one industry specifically. However, if it were to go into effect, it could significantly impact the healthcare industry, which has long included NCAs in employment contracts, especially with physicians. On today's episode, we dive into what that ban could ultimately look like and how it could impact the healthcare industry. I'm joined by attorney Stuart Vogelsmeyer. He's executive vice president and chair of the healthcare and business practices at Lashley and Bear, a mid-sized law firm based in St. Louis, Missouri. He told me that while the FTC's current proposed ban is broad, the agency included some pointed questions that could ultimately reshape the healthcare industry. In the first 215 pages, before we even get to the regulation, The FTC asked some very specific questions on which they're actually seeking public comment. And those questions, I think, really do pertain to industries like healthcare. They asked, should this type of rule apply to executive level people, which could be, you know, hospital CEOs and COOs, but it could be top people on the medical staff as well. So they've asked that question. They also asked a question about whether or not there should be some sort of compensation threshold or compensation cap. In other words, should this rule only apply to folks making under a certain dollar amount? Well, in the context of physicians, it's very possible that a final rule might have some sort of dollar cap on it, and physicians might exceed that. And we get a little guidance from some of the states that have done this. I practice, 
I practice in Missouri and Illinois primarily, and Illinois has a ban on non-competes for people making under $75,000 a year. I think that's a possible compromise, if you will, in this area, whether it's executive level, whether it's compensation, whether it's education level. I think that remains to be seen, but that's a possibility if there's too much pushback from the industry that says non-competes play a vital role in healthcare, you know, and might say, what is that? How could that mean? I, from the employer standpoint, it could be that, you know, we've taken a new physician and we've provided them training and education on the actual practice of medicine. And if we've got investments in that, we should be able to protect that investment. That's one argument that's potentially going to be made. And I think when we think about all the other industries that may have the same sort of bias at the executive level or highly compensated level, I think it's really possible that those sorts of cutbacks to a complete ban could appear in a final rule. We are obviously in an informed but ultimately a speculative space. We've read what the FTC is proposing, but we don't know if and when a ban on non-competes will be implemented. Though this proposed ban doesn't target healthcare exclusively, non-compete agreements have long been part of employer-employee contracts in healthcare. So, though unlikely... If the ban were to go into effect in its current form, how would that shape the healthcare landscape? Well, it's it's it, you can look at it from probably two points of view. Number one, from the employer side, it's far more likely that they could lose valuable assets. And I don't I hate to use the term asset when we're talking about a physician, but physicians drive the care and drive where the patients are. So from the employer standpoint, I think there is concern that physicians will be able to move too freely in the market, take patient base with them and have no repercussions and it makes it difficult to plan. The flip side, which doesn't get talked about too often, at least I haven't seen it in, I've been reading a lot in the last six weeks, is if non-competes for physicians are banned, that's going to open up a whole new world of recruiting for employers in geographic areas. In other words, a physician may not have to leave town or leave the area to switch jobs and you might have a greater pool of physician candidates out there um, than you currently do now because you're always concerned as an employer. Always, the employers always ask the question, are you bound by a non-compete? We don't want to get dragged into your litigation and that sort of thing. So it, it could have an impact of opening a greater pool of candidates from which hospitals and employers could be recruited. It's interesting that you bring that up, given that recruitment and retention is obviously a huge deal for health systems at the moment. But in talking to your clients, are they in that somewhat sunnier frame of mind thinking of of that particular point, or are they still thinking about the potential negatives? 
I, I think it's probably somewhere in between. One of the features that I of this regulation that I didn't talk about that is incredibly unique, and it's something we haven't seen very often, is not only are non-competes banned, but existing non-competes would be automatically rescinded, and the employers would be required to give a notice to their employees that the non-competes been rescinded. Typically, what the government has done in these sorts of situations, uh, way back in the 90s when the Stark Law came out and new regulations came in, uh, the runway for implementation of those regulations was two and a half years. Oftentimes, existing relationships are grandfathered in. In other words, okay, there won't be any new non-competes going forward, but if those that exist as of the date the regulation's effective will still run their course. I think one of the things that employers in healthcare are focusing on is marshalling their resources together to provide some significant comments to the FTC along the lines of, if this regulation goes in effect, you can't upset what's already in place and you've got to be able to keep your existing contracts and existing non-competes in existence. I'm seeing less and less, or I'm, I'm only seeing a little of the reaction, which would be, okay, this is gonna open the world up for us. I, I think most people, after they got over their shock, are starting to develop some healthy skepticism about where this is going to ultimately end up. So over the last several weeks, one item that we've gotten some conflicting opinions on is whether this proposed ban on non-competes would apply to nonprofit organizations. And as you know, many hospitals and health systems are nonprofit. What is your read on whether or not they would be exempt? Well, my read is from the initial comments that the FTC made in the publication of the rule, they affirmed that at this point in time, Congress hasn't given them the authority under these specific laws to regulate nonprofits in, in this area. The interesting thing though, you know, this is a typical lawyer answer, it's kind of a hard maybe, the interesting thing will be, number one, many nonprofit hospital systems have for-profit affiliated entities in which the physicians work. And so you get the question of, well, nonprofits aren't to be regulated by the FTC in this area, but they actually work for a for-profit and, and where that may shake out. The other thing is I would suspect there's going to be some pushback from the nonprofit world to essentially say, you've got to make this perfectly clear, FTC. You had one sentence in 216 pages that said, exempt organizations aren't governed by the FTC Act, but you need to make this perfectly clear within the regulation itself that we're exempt. I would say if you ask me today, I'd probably, err on the side of saying this isn't going to apply to nonprofits. 
But as any good lawyer would say, there's going to be arguments depending on the structure of these healthcare systems that may allow for a different interpretation. The other thing that I've been reading in this topic is whether or not this is going to actually prod Congress to act and uh, amend the FTC Act to allow the FTC specifically to regulate nonprofits in this area. One other, one other unique thing that clients are aware of, the antitrust world, and this is part of it, is a complicated world from a regulatory standpoint because the FTC regulates it, but the Department of Justice also has jurisdiction over nonprofits. And one of the, I guess, pieces of advice I've given to clients is just because this regulation may not apply to nonprofits doesn't mean somewhere along the line, the Department of Justice and looking at some bigger picture item, like a merger between two systems, might not take into account whether the whether non-competes promote anti-competitive behavior in in healthcare. So it's a it's a fascinating, it's a definite maybe, which is what I think a lot of lawyers are saying. If I had to make a prediction under what exists now, I'd say this regulation does not apply to a specific nonprofit that employs a physician. With that hard maybe in mind, outside of wanting and seeking more clarity from the FTC, how do you see nonprofit systems working with these for-profit groups in the event that an NCA ban does go into place? For instance, if you've got a nonprofit system that has a for-profit entity in which the physicians are employed, they might be looking at a restructuring of their relationships with physicians and depending on how many are involved and how big the system is, moving those physicians to either the hospital entity, which is non-for-profit or a separate non-profit, because there's there's a lot of different structures, probably because there's a lot of different lawyers out there who have different opinions with their clients. But I would think if the nonprofit exemption is clarified, those systems that employ physicians in a for-profit arm are going to look to restructure those relationships as soon as they can. Laws regulating non-compete agreements have really been largely, if not exclusively, dictated by states. As you mentioned, some states already have bans on NCAs already in place. If a ban happens at the federal level, how do you see that impacting state laws? If this rule takes effect or some version of this rule takes effect, that issue and those issues are going to be decided in a courtroom because there's there's going to be at least some segment of the of some industry that challenges the federal government in this case the FTC's even authority to step into something that's always been a state law issue and always been a state to state as i talked about Illinois got some limits. There's three or four states where currently non-competes 
are banned right now. So you've got that interplay. What some people are predicting is if this regulation takes effect and the nonprofit world is exempt from this, that state legislatures are going to be considering whether or not they should essentially try to close that gap and make things more level playing field and adopt state regulation of nonprofit non-competes. Some lawyers get excited by this. I would be more concerned that we'll spend, you know, three, four, five years in litigation over the authority of the FTC to institute this ban through this rule. And it we may be, you know, it's 2023, it may be 2026, 2027 before we really know where this is all going to shake out. I would think state governments, and again, depending on the state's political leaning and the industries involved, most states don't like the federal government sticking their nose in something that they feel is their area of authority in their domain. So again, an, another hard maybe what might come of this, I feel pretty comfortable that there will be one or more lawsuits challenging the FTC's authority. The public comment period goes until March 20th, and we likely won't know for quite a while what the FTC will ultimately decide. But what should the healthcare industry be watching for? What are you watching for? I suspect they're going to get literally thousands of comments, and that's going to take a long time. So I tell my clients, and it's not, it's, it's kind of on the lines of just calm down. This may be six months, this may be 18 months before the FTC ever comes out and makes a decision and issues a final rule. What I think is going to be happening in the meantime, though, is the industry groups, whether it's whether it's the big ones like the American Hospital Association or the AMA, or whether it's state-level healthcare associations, I think are going to be providing insight to what the comments that they may have provided. And frankly, there will be lobbyists involved. I would guess the industry groups are going to spend a lot of time trying to get their message across the airways with the hopes of influencing the final outcome. In the short term, if my clients ask me, I had a physician group that I represent the other day ask me, and they're engaging a new physician, and they said, can we put a non-compete in here? And my response to them was, absolutely, as of today, in our jurisdiction, in the jurisdiction where this physician's going to practice, non-competes are enforceable as long as they're reasonable in in time and geographic scope. And I would continue to do business as usual right now and include that protection for the employer in the existing contracts and wait patiently. 
That was Stuart Vogelsmeyer, executive vice president and chair of the healthcare and business practices at St. Louis, Missouri-based law firm Lashley & Bear. He joined me to talk about the FTC's proposed ban on non-compete agreements and the potential impact a ban could have on the healthcare industry if it's finalized by the agency. The public comment period on that proposal is open through March 20th. This is Just Healthcare Daily. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or a review. It helps other listeners find the program. We'll be back with healthcare business and policy news updates tomorrow, as always, in 10 minutes or less. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news at gisthealthcare.com. You can also get these insights emailed directly to your inbox when you subscribe to our newsletter, The Weekly Gist. The Gist Healthcare Daily Podcast is an independent production of Gist Healthcare, a Kaufman Hall company. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.